says in the in the Chumash, right? The Shalach, Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the Jews are leaving, and the Egyptians are chasing after them. And the Pasuk says this: Uparo he creed. Paro came closer. Paro and his army. And B'nai Yisrael, they picked up their eyes. And the Egyptians are following them. And they were in great fear. It's called formalistica. They were in great fear. What were they in great fear about? Well, what were they afraid of? Well, I mean, it's all working, isn't it? Isn't Moshe Rabbeinu got them out of Mitzrayim and they run away from the Egyptians and all these terrible things happened in Egypt? <coughs> so what was it that they were afraid of exactly? The next pasuk says, V'anihid enim mechazek edleit Mitzrayim and God says to Moshe Rabbeinu that I am hardening the heart of the Egyptians and they will come after you I'll make it hard heavy his uh, wagons and his horses they will have troubles and the Tzrayim, since I can't see it, would, would you mind sitting over there? Oh. You've been with your husband all the time. Forgot. Anyway, you have to figure out. Let me figure out, like, like, what were the Egyptians thinking all this time, you know? They're that beaten down again and again and again. And they, <coughs> they end up chasing the Jews out of the tribe, chasing after the Jews out of the tribe, and the Jews are afraid. This does not seem to be the way the movie should go. I mean, the, 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 the Jews have the upper hand. How can they be consumed by fear? So let's look at the Rashi. Rashi says, Uparo hikriv, hayalo lechsov paro karav. You know, Rashi was interested in the Hebrew language. Paro karav. Now hikriv. Hikriv is what we say about korbanot. You bring the korbanot close to the Mizbeach. Hikriv. He brought himself closer. He made the effort to get there before the Jews. As he already said, that he's not going to let them out of Mitzrayim. So he tries to head them off at the pass. I mean, his paro is a pretty stubborn fellow. I mean... He, he was beaten to a pulp, and he's still at it, right? You know, he's like one of those. Well, it doesn't matter. No listen to Rashi. 
Noseach read Rashi's answering the question, how come the singular verb is used? Mitzrayim is a country. Nosea. Now you could say that. Nosea is like they're, they're traveling. They're going after them. But Rashi says that it would be more obvious if, they, if the Torah had written the plural force. That Mitzrayim nosim achareihem. Why the singular? So comes to tell us this great chidush. Beleiv echad ki ish echad. Beleiv echad ki ish echad. Now that's a very annoying statement in Rashi. Because if you look at the next source, you look at the next source, Shmot Perikutet Pasuk Betan says, Why Yisume Yofidim, Why Yavov Midbar Sinai, Why Yahanu Bamidbar. They went, the, the people, this is after, after the whole story with Kriyat Yamsuf, Why Yisume Yofidim, they left the place called Mithidim and they came to the Midbar, the desert of Sinai, by Hanuba Midbar, and they camped in the desert by Khan Shah Yisrael Megarahar. By Khan, Hanaya. They camped facing the mountain. So you have the same kind of question. By Khan is singular. Why Vayichan singular and not Vayichan in plural? <coughs> Rashi. Rashi. Vayichan Sham Yisrael. You see, we'll make up the Rashi's in a minute. Keish Echad Belev Echad. Avot Sha'ar Kol Achamiyot Betar Omet Ovemachloket. In other words, that, that, a lot of ink has been spilled on this Rashi. That in order to, apparently, in order to receive the Torah, you needed Belevechad. There couldn't have been any dissent amongst the Jewish people. There had to be the idyllic kind of peace that we dream about. I mean, it couldn't be that they're standing at Har Sinai and everybody's yelling at everybody else, you move over, you've got my spot, you're sitting in my seat in shul, <coughs> I get the first aliyah, you get the first aliyah, right? Today everybody gets aliyahs, right? So you can, everybody can fight. Not enough that the men fight. <coughs> so the Pusuk says, Rashi says, Rashi says, teaches us that Belev Echad, is a compliment. It's a wondrous statement to make about B'nai Yisrael at that time. They were able, they had reached the Dargah, so to speak, the level of Kabbalah Torah. And Kabbalah Torah is associated with Shalom, with peace amongst the people, because it all has to do with, with what you're doing. You know, if, if the advantage of Kabbalah Torah is much greater than the advantage that you might get from disagreeing with your neighbor, then you're not going to disagree with your neighbor. That's what Kabbalah Torah needed. In order to receive the Torah, there had to be Ke'ishachat, Belevechat. But that wondrous Jasha <coughs> that we have heard many times leaves us astounded at the fact that Rashi explains the Egyptian position 
in exactly the same way. Here are the Egyptians changing, chasing after the Jewish people. And they're also They're also the perfect representatives of peace in the world. And they're doing something, surely, that is contrary to God's will. And how could they be Keish Echad Ubelev Echad? Now we all know that in this parasha, this parasha, <coughs> this is the parasha of Shirat Hayam, that great soul that we, we say every day in davening, and uh, uh, every time we say Shacharit, we say Shirat Hayam. <coughs> Shirat Hayam is a wondrous kind of uh, expression of faith on behalf of Am Yisrael. But what really is the wondrous point of Shirat Hayam? What is it that's so interesting? After all, I didn't put it here because you all know it. You all know Shirat Hayam by heart. Ashira Lashem Oga This is a statement of a fact. This is what happened. There's a description in Shiratayam of the wondrous event of salvation, the event of the salvation of Am Yisrael at the hands of God, by God, when the Egyptians chased after them and tried to do them. That's, that's, what, that's what it says. That's what it says. You know, there's a pasuk. There's a pasuk here. Shmot Perek Tezvav Perek Tezvav Pasuk Yutet You see that source, the third source? The third source at the end of Shirat Hayam <coughs> This Pasuk appears And the Pasuk says Kibasus Paro The horse of Paro came The Rechbobe Farashav His wagons and his horses Bayam and God covered them with the waters of the sea. This pasuk appears at the end of what we call Shirat Hayam. And about that pasuk, the Mitzvah, the Hamek Davar, asked the following question. You see it on the sheet? I don't understand that. Is this Pasuk also part of the Shira? You know that in the Sefer Torah, in the Sefer Torah, Shirat Hayam is written in a special way. It's written in a special way. Two stitches and a third. A stitch is a, an unknown word that means phrase. I'll do it again. Yeah. But in poetry, you know, every 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 uh, business has its secret language that only if you're in the business you know that you know those words. So that's a word from people in the business. But it's like a phrase. The way you write Shiratayam, the way you write the rest of the Sefer Torah is a line after a line after a line. Now there are also paragraph dividers. 
you know, in the Sefer Torah. But Shirat Ayam is written differently. It's written phrase, space, phrase, and then under that, in the middle, a third phrase. Can I do that again? Phrase, phrase, third phrase. Phrase, phrase, third phrase. So, so it's very easy to know what's part of Shiratayam. You just look at it. You look at the page. Now, if you look at, uh, at, a, at a printed Tanakh, like the Korean Tanakh, for example, it's, it's printed that way. It's printed in that way in the, in the Tanakh. <coughs> so you can see it. So that's what the Nitzis says. He says, if you look at, if you look at the, the way it's written in the Sefer Torah, it is part of Shirat HaYam. Because it follows that plan. Phrase, phrase, phrase. Right? He says, again, look at how make the Vayeshra Is it part of Shirat HaYam? Because in fact it is written as though it was part of Shirat HaYam. Is that, is that part of it clear? Oh, who or maybe just an addition which says and you know why we did Shirat Ayam? because this is what happened it, it's just a statement about what happened why should a statement about what happened at the end of Shirat Ayam be part of Shirat Ayam? so he says, so then he says, he says well on the one hand it looks like it's part of Shirat Ayam, and on the other hand on the other hand, maybe it's not it's just Sikud Varim, it's, it's a, the story of what happened. And so now the Sikh the, 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 the says something uh, remarkable. He says, what is this person coming to teach us? I know about this. I know that's the reason that we're singing Shirazayam. Because Pyro chased after us, but he didn't make it. He was swallowed up by the, by the water. We went through the water unscathed, and he didn't... I mean, we know all of that. Why would this be added on as an appendage, as an appendage to, um, to, uh, to Shirat Hayam? And so he says this, Elahaytahu, Samoch inyan litfilah, so you know Chazal say, Chazal say that Shira, what is it that designates, oh, sorry, what is, what, what is it that, uh, that describes Shira? What is it that describes, how do we know something is Shira? Well, not prose. And what's the difference between Shira and prose? I mean, it's true that it's written differently and it looks different, but what's the essential difference between Shira and prose? The Chachamim say that the essential difference is that Shira is the result of prophecy. Prophecy. Now, prophecy, prophecy doesn't mean that, that you have some, something to say about the future. It, it's an enlightened state. It's, um, it's a, like a, a double news. You know, it's not just a news, but it's a couple of newses. 
They're not telling you what to write and how to present yourself. So that Shirat Hayyam, Shirat Hayyam is not just a song of thanks, thank you God for helping us out, but Shirat Hayyam is the work of prophecy. The work of prophecy of B'nai Yisrael. <coughs> now, where's the prophecy of Shirat Hayyam? Again, I call upon your memories. Where is the prophecy in Shirat Hayyam? So he says, Eden Itzib says, Hashem Yimloch Leolam Va'et. God is the master of the universe forever and ever. Now it's hard for us to understand, I think. But what the Nitzib means to say is that Am Yisrael was enlightened about this fact at the time of Kriyat Yamsuf. He said, what is Kriyat Yamsuf? What does that have to be, this big production about killing the, the Egyptians and the water and, and the horses? Or why can God just go poof and they all like faint away? <coughs> because there had to be this point of enlightenment. According to according to um, uh, the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, B'nai Yisrael lacked a certain kind of confidence. They lacked confidence in Moshe Rabbeinu. They even lacked confidence in God. They weren't certain about the promise, as we have discussed. They weren't certain about the promise that God made to Avram Avinu. They, they just weren't certain. They kept asking for proof. Show me. Make it happen. Do something that should happen. And in fact, there is this interesting idea that Chazal said that Chazal said that Am Yisrael was not fit to leave Mitzrayim. And so the Makah of Choshech, the plague that's called darkness, was not really a plague to afflict the people in Egypt, the Egyptians, but it was the only plague which kind of covered up an affliction to the Jews. Many Jews died. The ones who are not worthy of living. This idea. I mean, we're not talking about, about history. We're talking about the idea that Hazal looked at the situation and said it can't be that everybody will be worthy <coughs> of leaving the tribe. Because not everybody is going to get to the position where they can sing Shiratayam, where they're going to be confident about they're going to be confident about, uh, uh, about God's place and relationship to the world. And that relationship that God has to the world is a shenyim love so that the end of, of Shratayam says this. Suddenly there was this awakening. This awakening that happened for Am Yisrael and that awakening was and what was the impetus for that awakening? What was it that, B'nai, that led B'nai Yisrael to understand? And that was Kriyat Yamsuf. The miracle of Kriyat Yamsuf was so great, so, so rare, so remarkable, that everybody understood, everybody understood at that moment that God was uh, uh, Yimloch will, will have the majesty of the divine 
will be forever and forever. Forever and forever is a prophecy. It will be. Because the majesty is such that it can't ever be limited or redefined in any way. This is what Am Yisrael understood. And this is what the Egyptians apparently were incapable of understanding. Because had they been able to understand, they wouldn't have followed. <coughs> they wouldn't have followed the, the Jews into the Yamsu. But they would have stayed back. They would have said, it's hopeless. But quite the contrary. They said, we don't understand what you understand. We don't understand Hashem Yimlos Be'olam which is the prophecy of Shirat Hayam. And then after that, the Nisim says, the Pastor quite correctly says, quite correctly says, it tells the story over again. Because the first time that we heard the story, we thought it was a story of salvation. Of a miracle that saved the Jews. Very nice. But now we understand that Kiva Suskaro is the event <coughs> that changed the Am Yisrael from an unworthy horde to those people who would receive the Torah. Those people who receive the Torah. So we go back and we understand. <laughs> We now understand what Ke'ishechad, the Levechad, for Am Yisrael, that Matan Torah means. They had this wondrous understanding. They were all involved in this revelation. They were prophets together, ready to receive the Torah, understanding full well who the Torah was being given by and what the purpose of giving that Torah was. But we're left with the question of the Egyptians. How could Rashi, even though I admit that in the Mechilta, the Medrash that Rashi sort of copied it from, it says, Ki'ishachad. <coughs> Rashi says, Ki'ishachad Levechad, whether this is a original Rashi position or it's a correction that was made by some copyist, uh, I don't know, but we'll take it at face value. Ke'ishachad, the Levechad, that goes also for, it goes also for the Egyptians. To answer that question a little bit more, to get more involved in that question, <coughs> let's look at the Shem Shmuel at the bottom of the sheet. You see the Shem Shmuel. Shem Shmuel is the same Shem Shmuel that we learned, not the same, uh, um, not the same paragraph, but the same person. Right? Well, the Sochachavah. The Sochachavah, the father, his father was the Abdi. We called him the Abdi Nezer. Right? Because he wrote a book of Shaz and Shubhas called Abdi Nezer. The Jews like to do that. They like to call uh, people by the name of the book that they wrote. Uh, so the father was the Abdinazer and the son was the Shemi Shmuel and a lot of what the son writes especially in this particular case a lot of what the son writes comes from his father so let's look at the Shemi Shmuel the Shemi Shmuel is talking about Shirat Hayam he says I want to tell you something a new idea the Nelech Orah 
It's hard to understand the Medrash that says the Chashav Adam Harishon Bahadi Avot the Lo Amushira. Medrash says in Breshit Rabbah that Adam Harishon did not say Shira. Like the Avot did not tell me the Avot. We have recorded, you know, they never said Shirat, the great songs in the Torah, Shirat, Shirat Hayam and Shirat HaBe'er. <coughs> so the Medrash says that Adam HaRishon also did not say Shirat. V'alomit HaRash V'kama Midrashot the Mizmor Shil Yom HaShabbat Adam Arishon Amarach. Therefore, we know, we know very well that Adam Arishon did say Shira. He said Mizmor Shir Liyom Shabbat, right? You know, Adam Arishon was in Ganeiden Friday afternoon, and as Shabbos approached, the first Shabbat, he said Mizmor Shir Liyom Shabbat. It says it's a Shir. He says it's not a Shir. Mizmor Shir Liyom Shabbat. Bechain hu betargum shira shirin bekama min ha adokak lomar shemedrashim chalukim and he says I don't like that. Sometimes people say that the medrashim disagree with each other. You know, we have one opinion says this, another one says that. You know, that's you know great for everybody, but this is about a fact. How do you disagree about a fact? Either Adam Marishon said Shira, or he didn't say Shira. So if the Medrash says in one place that he did, <coughs> how can the Medrash in another place say that he didn't? So he doesn't like that. Ah, Lefidah Kenuk. And now, as I've explained previously, Yesh Loman the Tarte Mile Minhu. Tarte Mile, two different events are being referred to. Right, it's true that he said Shira, and it's true that he didn't see, say Shira. Both things are true. How so? The Hamidrash medaber mishira kimo sheshchina medaberet mitoch grono. Shalzeh neemar pia patcha bechokma. There's a kind of Shira that comes from. From, from you, from the person. And that's Piha Patcha Bechokhma. That what's the Chokhma that the woman has? The Chokhma is the Shira of the religious personality. That's Piha Patcha Bechokhma. Bishril Shezachu Lebchinata Chokhma. So, so that's what it is. There's a chokhmah which enables you to speak words that God would, so to speak, approve of. They're not, it's not prophecy, but it's chokhmah. He calls that he calls that chokhmah, like the Torah is chokhmah. So people, some people are able to speak <coughs> words of of chokhmah. 
בשביל שזכו לבחינת החוכמה, זכו לדיבור כזה שהשכינה מדברת איתו תלונה. אמר לי Therefore, it's possible that Adam HaRishon sang Mizmo Shil Yom HaShabbat, even though it says elsewhere that he didn't have real Shira. V'yesh lomar, v'zeh name ata'am shematzino achar kach Shira l'yechidim, v'lo nitzrat lomar shalachar ptichah aita yecholet gam l'yechidim lomar Shira. So he goes over this idea again, that individuals can have shira and community can also have shira. Ela v'pshitut sheirot elu shelo haita shchina midaberet mitok ronam lo aya nizkakim mitkolonus kachalal kulo. Okay, so he made a distinction. He made a distinction about Adam Arishon. Adam Arishon is an individual, an individual can get to great heights, can get to the level of shira, but the, it's different than the community. The community singing Shira is a much higher level, much higher level of prophecy, etc. Olafia Amur, I'm now in three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The tenth line, the first words. Olafia Amur, Yeshlomad, Avlo Amur Kadmonim, Adam Arishon, Ravot Akadoshim Shira, Kikemosha Dipur Hamesh Agashimi, who chotam Adam lo yitachen ela achar shlamat harkavato came as a sort of like a medieval way of saying. I'll explain in a minute. Came dibur hashira shehu adibur haruchani v'taklit surat Adam shul midaber enoch hala ela kishetushlam harkava v'taklit. I know. In other words, he says, he says, listen, he says, we have it in ourselves as individuals to, to say wondrous things, 
to sing wondrous, uh, uh, wondrous songs, to, to be able to express our religious, religiosity <coughs> in a special way. But you have to remember, you have to remember that we are like uh, are made up of gashmiyut, of physicality, and spirituality. So we have that spirituality. We are able to express ourselves in a spiritual way. But the physicality of us prevents us from getting to the highest level. And what is it that enables us to get to the highest level? That is Hainu HaKavat HaKlal Kulo. That somehow if, the, if everybody participates, if everybody is part of, of this enterprise, then we can get to the ultimate level. The Kemosh Yeshva Adama Prati Moach Velei Nefesh Ruch Neshama Keinu B'chalal Yisrael He says, just like the individual has a mind, has a heart, has a soul, this is also true about the community. The community has a, a, a spirit and a soul, etc. <coughs> He says, this person has more mark, this person has more seichah, that person has more heart, and this person has more soul. So the only way <coughs> to get to the highest level is everybody to get together, because everybody's contributing something, and obviously the together is more than the individual. That's what, that's what he's trying to say. He says, "V'zebeshinat leivichulei oveit achdutam ki ish echad yir chaverim nishlemet harkavat haklav." And so that the klal, the community, is dependent on the individual, but it needs every single individual because every single person is different, <coughs> and every single person has some capacity to approach God and to be his spokesman. So imagine when everybody gets together. I mean, it just, it just produces a wondrous result. Then, the special spirit of the song devolves upon them. And this is what happened in Yam Suba, this is Shirat Ayam, She Nishlema Hakavata Prasaklav. There was this feeling suddenly that we were in it together, that we were all we were all part of the divine plan for a moment. For a moment in history, when the Jews came out of Yam Suf and they saw the Egyptians drowning, they knew that they were together in this particular project and they were all willing to contribute their spiritual side to the common effort Hainu the Kadosh okay this is a uh, he adds something uh, from the Zohar that has to be explained but you understand that he makes an interesting point I think and the interesting point is that spirituality is both an individual thing and it is a community thing you all know that the Gemara says, the Gemara says that uh, uh, that Kol Yisrael are raving zealous. 
I don't know what that means. Arevin means they, they're responsible. Everybody's responsible for everybody else. And so if you see that somebody's not doing a mitzvah, you have an obligation to go and tell them that, uh, or her, <coughs> they should do the mitzvah. The Ritva in Sanhedrin. Ritva was a Rishon who, who wrote a very important commentary on most of Shas. So the Ritva in Sanhedrin said, you know, if somebody doesn't put on tefillin, that's the example he uses, doesn't put on tefillin on his right hand, then, I said, I didn't put on tefillin. Because we're all connected to each other. And his hand is my hand. And his head is my head. And if he doesn't eat kosher food, it's as though I'm eating non-kosher food. It was, I can't get away. I mean, that's what, that's what Am Yisrael is. I can't get away from my connectedness. There's nothing I can do. And therefore, Kol Yisrael Arezizelazek is not just good advice or a nice thing to do or somehow a way to improve the status of the community. But actually, it hurts me that he is not doing what he's supposed to be doing. That's called, that's Israel Arabian, <coughs> Arabian Deliverance. So this idea of our book is mentioned in the Shemi Shmuel when it comes to spirituality. And therefore, if you go backwards, if you go backwards, what the Shemi Shmuel said was they needed this experience in order to be the recipients of the Torah. Because the problem with receiving the Torah is that you can't receive it in a shallow way. You can't just think that the Torah is a bunch of words <coughs> that mean whatever they seem to mean and you go on. But the Torah has to be something that represents profound, um, profound depth. And the only way to get them, like you all know that, You'll know that. I mean, just think of the first time you read uh, Shakespeare. I mean, it was kind of funny, wasn't it? I mean, it takes time. I'm not comparing Shakespeare to the Bible, by the way. Even though I know there are two opinions. <laughs> yeah. what, what, I, what I just need to say is <laughs> appreciation of anything is connected to understanding, on the one hand, and your ability to relate to the spiritual dimension of things. Because, and that's something you have to learn. You have to work at it. You can't just like sit down in front of the Chumash and think it's going to sparkle out at you automatically. And press a button and the lights will go off. <coughs> that's not how it is. But if you learn Torah, and you learn more Torah, and you learn still more Torah, that you'll appreciate, you'll appreciate the profound message in the Torah. It's the only way to do it. It's the only way to do it, so that the recipients of the Torah, this is the Maral says this, and uh, it, it sounds, it was the recipients of Torah have to be worthy. Right, so somebody would give me a book, uh, you know, on, uh, on math or physics. I, I, when I was uh, young, I studied math. Today, uh, a little rusty, I think. But then he gave you a, a book about math, and written in Chinese. Right? I don't know how to read or understand Chinese. So did he give me anything? 
did I get anything? So here's a present for you. The latest on quantum mechanics in Chinese. I said, I didn't get anything. You didn't give me a thing. The same thing is true about the Torah. If God wants to give the Torah to the people of Israel, they obviously have to be worthy. Worthy doesn't just mean that they understand that God is in heaven, but they understand that there's profundity that is changing hands. <coughs> and that understanding, that understanding brings the people to study the Torah more and more, and better and better, etc. And we've been doing that for 3,000 years more. Rounded off to the nearest thousand. <coughs> you understand? So B'nai Yisrael had to be worthy. Had to be worthy of receiving the Torah. What made them worthy of receiving the Torah? That they recognized the spiritual value in community. That they were able to understand that there could be individual spirituality, like other Marishon, singing Mizmo Shili Yom Shabbos on Friday, but they also understand understood that Am Yisrael represented a spiritual community that could be worthy of receiving the Torah because there's a shleimut, there's a, a kind of wholeness <coughs> in them when they think in those terms. And what made them think in those terms was Kriyat Yamsuf. And they understood that they were on that level because of Hashem Yim Lochli So that leaves us with, uh, <coughs> that leaves us with the Egyptians. So why is it that Rashi said, Ke'ishachad Belebechad? Why did Rashi say that about the Egyptians? So you could say, he didn't say it about the Egyptians. He just wanted to point out that there was a singular verb instead of a plural verb, right? You know, like uh, technocratic uh, Torah learning. So, you know, that's what the technocrats would say. Okay, good. <laughs> but uh, the Pritzadik says, I don't have the, I didn't have the source uh, copied, but the Pritzadik says something interesting in, uh, in the parish of B'Shalach on this question. The Pritzadik, Ratzadik HaKorim in Lublin. Lublin is a city in Poland. Tzadik was a coin, so they call him Tzadokah He wrote many books. I always say that we were fortunate. We, today, were fortunate because your Tzadok had very few Hasidim. So they didn't annoy him. And they left him at peace to write. So we can be his Hasidim. If he had Hasidim, then we would be at a loss. But he was very prolific, a very prolific writer, very interesting. Um, worth the effort, you see, you put it down with a star. Of Tzorek, worth the effort. <coughs> not, so, not always so easy, but it's definitely worth the effort. So Tzorek says this. There's another kind of Ishechad and Leibuchad. A kind of Ishechad and Leibuchad that does not come from the recognition that we have spiritual dependency on each other. But it comes from the fact that there's a commonality of interest. A war. You know, people get close to each other during a war. <coughs> you take my word for it. I mean, I don't wish wars on anybody. 
But there are certain, you know, times, times that are difficult, nationally difficult. And you get closer at that time. But that closeness dissipates as soon as the danger passes. It doesn't have any lasting, uh, a lasting value. It does not say anything about my relationship to the others. So that Rav Sodok says is the Ishechad, the Leivechad of the Mitzrim. And that what Rashi was doing was contrasting. I mean, when you put it all together, all these pieces, of course it took a thousand years of, of writing on, on the Torah, you know, from, <coughs> from Rashi to the Shemi Shmuel to the Hamek Dover. took a thousand years. But in that kind of, in those pieces of Torah, you understand that it could be misleading. That the Isha Chad, the Labor Chad, could be misleading, not because it's a bad thing at the time of great danger and, and, and distress. You need to, to fight together. You need to work together. But it's misleading to think that it's a spiritual event. What makes it a spiritual event what makes anything a spiritual event is the, is the awareness of what you're doing. Not the danger that has fallen upon you, but the awareness that what you're doing is somehow connected to Hashem Yimlok Leolamba Ed. And that distinction, that sort of points out, is what Rashi meant to tell us. Sometimes things look the same. But they are profoundly different. It's true that the Egyptians were out to get the, the, the Jews, the Israel, but they only saw it in terms of a danger that they were trying to overcome. Whereas Am Yisrael understood at the time of Shirat Hayam, Am Yisrael understood <coughs> that Hashem Yimlochli Olamba Ed implies the potential for spiritual communal activity, that they can be in it together in this spiritual battle to find a place for themselves and to rationalize the creation of the world by Baruch Hu. That's Hashem Yimlochli Olamba Ed. That's the prophecy of Shirat Hayam. That's the reason that B'nai Yisrael were able to become a nation that was worthy of accepting the Torah because they were able to understand that there was a dimension in Torah that was not obvious to those who were not able to emphasize their own spiritual capacities for chance.